Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. We are recording this on a Monday morning, a couple of days after the NCAA Outdoor Championships. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon. Matt, Gordon, wipe the sleep out of your eyes. It is Olympic Trials Week. How are you? That's what I'm doing right now. I woke up probably seven minutes ago, and I'm ready to go. I've been doing that a lot, man. I wake up like at 8.50 every podcast morning, and I'm in the chair right at 8.59, ready to go. That's how I do it. Like a, like a true pro. A true pro, oh, yeah. Gordon Mack, folks. Uh, what a weekend, though, right? Subscribe. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. We had a lot of people tune in live over the weekend to see the reaction. And, man, it's just you can't really catch your breath because you're going right into the trials. So ordinarily we do a huge – you know, here's an NCAA recap. Who are the winners and the losers of the meet? But then you almost feel pressured to be like, wait, we need to get, get going on the preview for the trials. So we're going to lean, I think, more on the college side of things today. And then Wednesday, we'll do a comprehensive Olympic trials preview. That's the schedule as of now. Yeah. Today, we'll, final recap of NCAA. Wednesday, we'll do a ma- major mega, I can call it, preview of the trials. Mm-hmm. We'll give our official picks individually that you and i have on every event we'll do every event we'll break it all down be a mega pod and then friday we start doing live pods right after every day of competition which will be a fun one uh i'm really excited man eight we're gonna have eight days of trials starting on friday can't get any better than that Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and the college kids set a a high bar so we're going to talk about the NCAA athletes but we'll do it within the context of trials so i'm looking at the NCAA stars who are going to have an impact at the Olympic trials. And we'll start with the people who won, but there's also a list here. We'll get to those later of the non-winners who I think could still make the Olympic team. That's right. People who I did not win uh, over the weekend, but I think could make the Olympic team. But we'll start first with the folks who won, the people who grabbed the headlines. And no one did that better than a thing, Mo of Texas A&M, breaks her own collegiate record in the 400, 49-57, comes back with that 48-second 4x4 split. She's not entered in the 400, though, for the Olympic trials, as as has been the plan for a couple weeks now. She's running the 800. And I think the interesting dynamic here, Gordon, is because she's run so many 400s this year and she's done relatively few 800s, She's going to go into the Olympic trials with the feeling that she hasn't run her best 800 meter race yet, which I think is going to be a nice little psychological boost for her. She's still got some room to grow in that event. When she ran the 157, seems like it was an entire season ago, pretty much, when she ran that uh, nice negative split in Waco. And I think that's just going to add um, a level of freshness to how she approaches the 800, knowing that, hey, look at how much I've dropped my 400 meter time and since I ran that collegiate record in the the 800. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting thing with her because you look at her college season, she's only run back-to-back 800s once, and it was SEC indoors. And Mm -hmm. the trials, you got to run three 800s, right? And the question is, is she prepared for that unique – situation where back-to-back 800s day off than a third 800 we don't know Mm -hmm. uh because she's only been doing 400s primarily it's gonna be a big unknown but the thing is when you run 157 and a 158 and a 125 600 
and all these quick 400s even without the even with the lack of experience you got to think there's a point where you're just too good to fail right i don't know i just feel like it's not like she's out there running 159s she's running 157s 158s and we saw her at the trials she i mean usa she saw on the screen 201 202 and then 201 to get fifth so you think she's better than she was then, so she should be able to do it. Yes, she is. But you never know. That 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 yeah. is one good thing is that she did do it in 2019, so she does have a little bit of muscle memory from what it's like to do three 800s in uh, four days. And I think the way they position this is running the 800 is going to feel like a treat. It's going to feel like a novel concept because she hasn't done it for so long. She's just 400 after 400 after 400. And the stressful portion of the season, SECs and NCAA championships, she was grinding out quarters. So now to be able to switch, again, I think that adds a little bit of freshness to Mo's approach going into this race. You talked about 159, a 159 runner versus a 157 runner. And it's it's huge. Like if you look at the entry times for this meet, you got Wilson and Mo at 157. Then you have Rogers, Green, and Sutherland at 158. And then you got a whole bunch of 159s. So if she was still just a 159 runner, just in quotes, I'll put, it would be tough. It would be a slog and anything is possible in the trials. You only need to go back to 2016 when they're in this event, in the women's 800, when there was a massive fall and everything got scrambled to know that, yeah, she's not a lock necessarily to make the team, but I'll say what I've said since she's ran that 157. She's closer to Ajay Wilson at this point than she is to whoever we think would be forecast for third. That's that's my thinking going into to this meet. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Those marks on your screen. AJ Wilson, 157.72. A thing Mo, 157.73. Yeah. It's pretty close. It's only 0.01 away. And she's, <laughs> yeah, and she's not, your, she's not your average, she's not your average NCAA freshman. You brought up 2019, went through the rounds, finished fifth, acquitted herself nicely there. She's run in big championship meets for a while now and it's almost surprising to think oh man she's only a freshman because we've seen her on this top level for years and years you go back to 2019 indoors when she beat raven rogers in that 600 yeah it was a 600 and yeah it was indoors but it was reps at a high level running against good competition managing the nerves managing the rounds. so i don't think she could have set herself up for success any better than she has in the 800 this year than what she's done and the approach that she's taken. Um, we also saw after the meet, she she was lobbying to get in that four by four, like a, like a, like a seasoned veteran here. <laughs> she says, uh, wink, wink, Team USA coaches about her, her 48 split. And we talked about that in the, in the live stream a bunch uh, on Saturday. If people want to go back and, and listen to Gordon and my thoughts on, on a thing Mo in the four by four. But I think if she makes the team in the 800, we will see her run a leg. Uh, in that four by four, uh, and it's two. against it's against the rules. If she's not, if she doesn't make the eight hundred meter team, they can't put her on the four by four, right? It's against the rules. It is not against the rules. There's no such rule. She can run. Anybody can run. Really? I thought you had to yeah. make the Olympic team to be chosen. Oh no no no! Yes 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 yes! You have to make the Olympic team. She has to make the eight hundred team. Yes. Yeah. I, I I misheard what you said. I thought you said if she well, makes it in the eight hundred. She can't do it. Yeah. Anybody on the team is in the pool. 
But they can't, they can't take, take her, her over. Floor. Can they take her over the eighth place 400 meter runner? If she gets fourth or lower in the 800, can they take her? Yeah. No, they're not. No, she wouldn't be on that. You have to be on the team. So you have to make the team in an in an individual event, any individual event, or you're qualifying in the open quarter. And since she's not running the open quarter, she's got to make it on the team in her individual event, just like Ry Benjamin did, right? Dylan Muhammad, Sidney McLaughlin. We saw all those runners run on the four by four in Doha, and they did not make the the 400 meter team, they did not run in the 400. But once, dude, once you're in, you can have a situation where a whole bunch of people get hurt or some fluke thing happens and you could have, I don't know, like Centro running a four by four leg in theory. Because <laughs> it's anybody who's on the team, you could have a discus thrower, yeah. right? Anybody who's on the team, you got a jersey and you're there. Krauser hanging up. It's put <laughs> Ryan Krauser on the anchor for the four by four. Yeah, we should make our, we should make our non sprint four by four picks when we get closer to the olympics who would we like to see on team usa's four by four that would be a fun one all right let's keep it moving though we got a lot of people to get to cambria sturgis what do you think about sturgis's chances of making the team after her huge weekend in eugene i mean you gotta think big uh you gotta think i mean you run 10 7 like we said there's a lot of vets out there but the vets are not running 10 7 the vets are running 10 9 high if not that 11 Oh, 11 one that's a the world of difference from 10 7 and she just runs it so like nonchalant like she has zero like facial exp- she's like the exact opposite of shikari Richardson. like if shikari richardson did that what what uh sturgis did what she literally did do it a few years ago you would see her like just <laughs> like showing like yeah that's right take that world but she doesn't even I felt like she didn't even recognize that she just did something incredible. She just kept running. She, yep, I'm just going to run 10-7 casually, a 22-1 casually. No big deal. Um, I think you have to put her in a – you have to put her in the conversation. I, I mean, she's second mm-hmm. fastest when you include wind-aided. I mean, it's all college kids, right? Sturgis, Terry, and Clark are second, third, and fourth when you include wind-aided. But – like if you look at the vets, the vets are all in the ten nines, and the and the eleven mm-hmm. lows. So here's the thing: what do we do? Like, how do we remove the temptation of giving NCA wins and college kids and the momentum they have too much credence? Yes. That is a great question. I was wondering the same thing after this meet. But this year is just different because the meet is the next week. This is not 2019 where it was six weeks later or other instances where there's a bit more time. It's so hard not to get carried away with these performances. And I think what you just have to remember is that each meet is its own animal. And she made that big jump from 10-9 to 10-7, so there's a possibility that she goes back to 10-9s this week, right? And there's a possibility that some of these pros that have been running 11-0 can make the jump up to 10-8 or 10-9. That's the, that's the only way she doesn't make the team. And I know I just said 2019 was a totally different animal than 2021, but like, look at 2019 results. Tiana Daniels gets fourth at NCAAs and then makes the team. 
right? Shakari Richardson runs a 1075 and then doesn't make the team. This stuff changes quite a bit. I think we'll see less of that this year of the positions shifting around because it's, I mean, people don't even need to leave Eugene. You could just stay in your hotel for an extra couple of days and, and then run your hundred, especially the hundred because the hundred is right on those first couple of days. And I think that's going to help obviously someone like Sturgis. Do you see, I mean, I, the fact that she ran the 22-12 was really impressive. That was icing on the cake for me. She didn't need to do that. And yet she did. Do you see her having a better chance in the hundred or the 200? hundred for sure. I think, yeah, hundred. I mean, you look at her 200 times there. She's, she's slowly improved down the 22, one point. I just think that the 200 teams can be a little bit harder to make than the hundred team, which is crazy. No, maybe I don't think that. I don't know. I, I just think she, she's better in the hundred. I think eight. her, her 10, seven is more impressive than her two twenty two one. I don't know why I just think that, but that's what I just think. So I think she's a better shot in the one. Yeah, and I think to your point before about how do you keep from getting carried away, you just – I think you got to try to keep looking at that average performance and not just say, okay, wow, they're, they're one big outlier that they did on this huge stage. Like we can expect that every single time because we know it just doesn't work that way. It's more fun to think that, but you compare a performance like this to a performance like – you know, runner like a thing, Mo, right? Where she's done it. She's given us so much evidence that, that this is who she is and this is who she's going to be. With some of these more recent phenomena, it's like, yes, you did it at NCAAs, but that's just one performance. You got to do it. You got to do it multiple times here. I agree with you on the 100, just 200 being later in the meet. It's going to be more difficult, right? More days, more, more days away from her big NCAA performances if Richardson comes back you feel good about her taking one spot Gabby Thomas has run well I think the vets are better I'll say it this way I think the vets are better in the two than they are in the one right now going into this meet and that's why I would say the hundred in addition to the 10 the 1074 uh that's why I would give give her a better chance in the 100 than the 200. yeah what are your thoughts on Randolph Ross staying with the North Carolina A&T uh, theme? Okay. So Randolph Ross, and I don't know if I'm ranking these in order in which they'll make, I don't think we are. We're not order, ranking them in order of which they'll make the team, but Randolph Ross, 4385, bursts onto the scene with that run. I think he was helped by some news yesterday, which we'll get into more later with Fred Curley deciding not to turn the quarter. I think that opens up a spot in the quarter that was not there 24 hours ago. And you just look at the margin that he won by. You look at the fact that he closed as well as he did. I mean, who, do you have three guys in front of him right now? I mean, you have Norman. I don't. But it's hard to find, it's hard to find two other guys for sure that are ahead of him. I think the... Let's bring up uh, uh, Ross's Tifers to kind of see if this 43-8, I obviously it's much better than any of his previous runs, but just seeing how he kind of competes, I'm going to bring up uh, Randolph Ross's Twitter. Uh, yeah, bring up his, his uh, Tifers. So you look at, um, he's consistently been able to put together a 44-second uh run when it mattered. I mean, in the East prelims, yeah. he ran back-to-back -back 44s. 
The MIAC finally ran a 44. You know, NCA indoors, he went 45, then 44. So it doesn't seem like the this is like he's a 45 low, 44 nine high guy, and then just right. ripped off a fast one. You see a bunch of 44 mids, a 44 low. You see a lot of 44s, and I think you need to run two 44s just to make the final. Maybe a 45 and then a 44, and then he's got to throw down the 43 once he's in the final. And I think he's he's developed enough 400s underneath his uh, underneath his belt to I think that he should be able to do three more 400s at an elite level and make a team. I agree, and he does not need to run sub 44 to make the team. I don't think. True. I think I think a 44 low will make the team. He's 20 years old. It feels like every Olympic cycle, you have at least one 19 or 20 year old in the 400 who who makes the team. Like there's there's always a role to be filled in the 400 by a collegian. Year in and year out, 400 is that type of event that it favors the youth and Ross peaking at the right time. I do think there's some room for some other guys from the college season to, to squeak in there. We'll talk about that more later when I talk about the non-winners who I think could make the team. But Ross, great position right now going into the trials. Yeah, you look at the, the top six, you know, four of the top mm -hmm. six are college guys. Yeah, and now with no Curly, with no Curly, it's not even like the seven, the guy hanging out at number seven there. Yeah. You could expect to to be in there but yeah someone like cherry you can't discount norwood the veterans will will be ready to go but yeah, if, he, if he runs 44 low it's just the math is gonna it's gonna put him on the team at that point yeah. the next person i had had a similar type of weekend is sean burrell another young guy another one who has a huge breakout breaks the u20 hurdle record uh moved way up the all-time list 47 point eight five number four in collegiate history and he's going into an event gordon where there's rye benjamin and about 30 yards that's about that's about <laughs> it i mean there's just he's he's dominant against u.s competition rye benjamin is dominant against u.s competition like look at the look at the these the entries that we have up right now right so you got benjamin 4698 burrell 47 85 TJ Holmes, 48-20. So prior to Burrell, Benjamin was more than a second ahead of the next best person. Quincy Hall there, about a second and a half back of Ry Benjamin. So Burrell slots perfectly in to this, to this field. By no means am I saying he's a lock. Is he a shoe-in? Is he a sure thing? But 40, 47 is going to get you on the team. Yeah, 100%. And... We haven't really seen consistency out of the Holmes and Quincy Halls and Mirror Latins of this world. Norman Grimes, who actually still had college eligibility, I think, was, I think, hurt this mm -hmm. year. He scratched trials. So there hasn't been a, like, a solid, like, consistent 48 low pro. I mean, a lot of these mm -hmm. pros were running 49 low, 49 mids. So for him to go out and run 47, you got to think he should make the team. I mean, Amir Latin and Norman Grimes and Quincy Hall. I mean, Quincy didn't make it because he scratched, but Norman Grimes and Amir Latin both took, they went 3-4, I believe, yeah. at the 2019 champs. 
and they were both were coming out of college. So it makes sense that college kids should be able to be in that top three. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. This is his first year hurdling. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, incredible adaptation to the event. I think hurdles, foreign hurdles, tricky, right? All it takes is one bad step. Your rhythm gets thrown off and a great performance can turn into a mediocre one. But with the amount that he's improved, and you can see there, we're putting him up on the screen, his seven formula hurdle races, he went from 50-83 down to 47-85. It's, it's been a remarkable rise for Sean Burrell. Now, globally, it's going to be tough because then you got guys like Warholm, Samba, Dos Santos, McMaster, and then Benjamin. But to make the team, again, it's Rye Benjamin and then a whole bunch of, and then a camera pan back to, to the next best person in this field. Gordon is yawning. That means we're gonna have to take a distance detour to get Gordon <laughs> back on track. We need to talk there about the go. 5K. Otherwise, Gordon will Gordon will lose lose focus here. Tier, Tier and Hawker. I guess we could do them together. What are their chances, Gordon? So let's double check to see if Hawker is in the 5K. I think Hawker. I think Tier is doing the 5K and Hawker is doing the 15, uh, based off of what I saw in the trial entries. I'll double check that really quick before we. I don't want to do a whole segment on an event that they're not even running. So, 5K. What do we got? Tier. Tier's running the 5K. So, they're both declared in the 5K, and I think they might be right. both declared in the 15. So, yeah, they're so both declared in the 5K and they're both declared in the 15, but they're not going to do both, right? Because that's not a double that's possible you would know this right <laughs> uh what well, the trials they could do they could do both it's the women's that's oh okay doable. all right so, so the, let me just tell you what's first i'll go what's through the first the, the oh wait hold on hold on hold on no 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 i think you're right. both declared in the 15 and the five i think you're right sorry my apologies scratch this from the record 15 and five are on the same day for qualifying on day seven. So they do the first round on the same day, semifinals the next day in the 1500. And the final day, the 5,000 and the 1500 are 40 minutes apart. So my apologies, got the schedule mixed up. So the 15 and five double for the men, not possible. So it's one or the other. What do you think Tier chooses? What do you think Hawker chooses? And do they have a chance to make the Olympic team? Well, if you're first them, do you choose based on what you think your best event is or do you choose what you think the weaker event is? How do you approach it? Do you think about the competition or you just think about yourself? I think you choose it on what's my best chance to get on the Olympic team. You're you're hedging. So is it, do you, but what's more important, the competition or your ability? It's the combination of those things. It's, it's, which gets me to Tokyo, right? So I think for Hawker, it's fifteen hundred for sure. I think that's an easy choice for yeah. Paul Hawker. We just we just saw how good he was in the fifteen hundred, and I think the fifteen hundred team for him is going to be uh, an easier squad to make. There's neither of them are easy, but it's the best one, the best option uh, for him. Now, tier, I think it's a little more complicated. But for Hawker, I think it's straightforward. 
Look at uh, Nick Willis putting up his USATF trials picks. We're going to save our trials picks for Wednesday. So uh, we yeah. won't tell you who we think is going to make the team. But uh, apparently he's got Willis Kessler be, on the team. He's got Hobbs Kessler. Kessler. I mean, I he's it. a little biased. I think Nick Willis needs to stop tweeting about Hobbs Kessler. I think he has a little bit of a problem. He finds a way to, to turn everything about like, oh, did I mention Hobbs Kessler? Like the NCAA <laughs> final happens. He's like, I just want to let you know, Hobbs Kessler has a faster PB. Like, I great, great. He does. He, he does. He's a little Hobbs Kessler obsessed. It's like it's, it's his a, dad it's or fact. something. It's kind of crazy. It's a, um, it's a fact. I bet you one out of every, five out of every six tweets are about Hobbs Kessler or associated about Hobbs Kessler. If you look at his Twitter timeline, it's a little, it's incredible. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think Hawkins should do the fifteen. I agree with you. I think Tier is more of like a legitimate question because. We kind of forget Tier can run a quick 15, a quick mile. Tier almost beat Nagus. Yeah. And if Nagus is someone that we can think can make an Olympic team, you got to think that Tier is in that conversation. And the question is are the Lemongs and Grant Fishers and Paul Chalimos too established in the 5K that Tier won't really be able to? I mean, would. Who do you, what do you think TR has a better chance of cracking the top three? A 5K with those Bowerman guys or the 1500 with the college guys, a high school kid, and then Angles and Centro? I think 15, just because the 15 could get wild and unpredictable, and that would be his best chance. It's just the five is the five is going to be tough to navigate with the Bowerman guys plus Chalimo and, and Bohr, Klecker, True Jenkins. There's just a lot, a lot, a lot of different people in there who you could see uh, putting together the right race to win with the right combo of experience. Now, do you, would you think looking, that? Hold, look at the times. Hold on a second. Fish, yeah. Is Fisher in? Oh, okay. He's at the bottom. I was. I had a momentary freak out there. Fisher's at the bottom. It says qualified, but he hasn't declared yet. Yeah, he hasn't weird. declared. Uh, but if you look at if you look at the, the times, I mean, a lot of the top times that were run in the five k were run in twenty nineteen or in twenty twenty, because in twenty twenty one, Tier is the the fourth fastest, and he did his time yeah. in a championship style race, not in a time trial. And McGordy's probably not going to run. So if you go just off of twenty twenty one times, he's the third fastest man. Yeah, but you really going to count out Chalimo? No, 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 no. You gonna count out Boar? I mean, those were indoor marks that they ran, so they're not part of this this list. And I think you got to put Kincaid in there based on what he's done in 2019. You just you get a more randomized result when you go to the 15. And as you said, Tier can kick, Tier can close. We saw it in the 5K. So that's probably the better shot. I think he has a chance in the 5K though too. But just the the, the sheer randomness of the 1500 lends itself to to us some unpredictable outcomes. Here's a factor we should think about. What about the mm. friendship factor? I'm assuming mm. that Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker are friends, they're teammates. Wouldn't they both, like, would they want to work together and be like, hey, the odds of both of us being top three in the same race are a lot harder than the odds of individually uh, us being top one in two separate races, top three in two separate races? So mm -hmm. do you think there's a little bit of like, hey, 
I want I want both of us to make it, so it might be better for us to make sure we split events and Cooper Tier does the five K because the last thing he wants to do is make an Olympic team knocking Hawker out in fourth, as opposed to making an Olympic team and also seeing Hawker make one in the other event. There's a lot of people there though. This isn't like winning let's divide up our NCAA championships. There's just like a lot of other factors and people in the way too. The odds that they go three, four in something and knock the other one out, I think is pretty low. So I think they both do what's in their own best interests and they shake hands and are friends after the race. That's what I would think. And I think it's, I think for Hawker, again, I think for Hawker, it's it's gonna be the 15, that'd be my guess. Then again, I didn't think he'd double it at NCAAs. So we could be wrong. We could both be wrong. So let's go to the next person, Isaiah Jewett in the 800. Isaiah Jewett, 144.68. Now, I'd say it's going to be tougher to make the team just because the U.S. is loaded right now in the men's 800. And as we talked about in the live stream, you know, you think two spots are already pretty much secured between Brazier and Hoppel, which leaves only one spot for uh, somebody else. But in that next group, you have people like Clayton Murphy, who's medaled, Isaiah Harris, who's been around for a while. Jewett, though, that front running 144 gets you intrigued. He's an intriguing uh, uh, pick here going into the the trials. I think he can look back on this weekend and see the difference between his prelim race and his final race, and real and truly cemented that I am not good when it's a slow 52 opening 400. I am great mm -hmm. when it goes out fast. And I think he now has that cemented in his mind. And I think he, that will ensure that when he's in every one of his heats and in the final, he's going to hope make sure that the field goes out in 49 seconds, 50 seconds. And I think with that, you have to think, all right, Donovan and, and Hopple are the class of the world right now. So they're making the team. The question is Murphy. Yeah. And Murphy... He ran 147 and got eighth in his most recent 800 in New York. He did come back and win a 1500 and 338. But Murphy is the biggest wild card. He's also like Murphy could show up and and not make the final because he's just not the same guy. But he also could show up and and get win right because he's like, oh, we forgot Murphy's legitimate. He's an Olympic medalist for a reason. So I think yeah. that. Uh, it's just going to be a question of Jewett versus Murphy because I don't think Isaiah Harris or Sawinski or Brandon Miller or Brandon Kidder are are that big of a challenge to Isaiah Jewett. Like I think they're all kind of in the same category. Um, the question is, can he beat Clayton Murphy for that third spot? Mm -hmm. And is Clayton Murphy going to be a, the 2019 version of Clayton or is he going to be the – kind of weird 2021 version of Clayton where we see him run well, then not run well, and just like an unknown, right? So, well, well, he's been good in the 15 too, which is an interesting idea yeah. too. And the eight, the eight comes first, and I saw Brazier's entered in both in the eight and the 15, and Murphy's entered both in the eight and the 15. You'd think if they make the 800 team, they'll scratch out of the 15, but yeah. Murphy, uh, Murphy has a – you can make an argument Murphy has a, a good chance in the – in the 15, maybe even a better chance of the 15 than the than the 800, just because 15 looks a little bit more wide open. 
I like I like Drew. I think the race is going to go out quick, so he could run fifty point and have someone on his right on his shoulder. It's not like it's not like Brazier and Hopple are incapable of going out fast, which would give him a little bit of a a boost going around. But I think it's going to be tough. This one is going to be definitely tough. We got another Trojan to talk about though. Anna Cockrell wins both hurdle races, does the sweep fifty four sixty six in the four-meter hurdles, which set a PB for her. She's going into the, she's going into the uh, the teeth of Team USA here, though, when you're going in the four-meter hurdles with McLaughlin, Muhammad, and Shamir Little. So this will be – she'll have to drop some serious time off her personal best to make it in the, in the low hurdles. And I'm guessing she's entered in the high hurdles as well, too. Yeah, she's um, declared in she's both. Always been, yeah, and I mean she's always been stronger in the four hundred hurdles, uh, but but she'll get two shots there. I mean I think she has a a, a legitimate shot of making the one hundred hurdles. The one hundred hurdles this year, there's no one really. It's not. We always talk about the women's hundred meter hurdles is like the hardest team to make. I think that's kind of not true right now. I think that was true a few mm-hmm. years ago, but I think the hundred meter hurdles is kind of not. Been, I mean, Nia Lee's not there. Uh, Sharika Nelvis isn't running the way she runs. So, like, this is a bunch of a lot of the women who are dominating that event are older now. Uh, I think Anna Cockrell will make probably the 100 meter hurdle Olympic team if I had to have my say of anything. 400 hurdles, which would be they're too good up there. Yeah, it's the 100 hurdles. It's just an interesting, yeah, it's just an interesting cork of track and field that she could she has a better chance in the high hurdles than she is in the low hurdles i mean she's been good in the in the formula hurdles for years i mean going back to was that the 2017 usas in that insane race in sacramento where everybody pr'd like she was in she was in that race too um but just yeah the way things have broken out broken down with uh mclaughlin muhammad and little it's gonna be tough although i will say you know cockerel sitting there in solid fourth right now on the U.S. list. So if something did happen in the in the low hurdle, so if something did happen to the top three, she'd be right there to take advantage. But I just, I think at minimum you're gonna have to go sub 54 because I think Muhammad's gonna gonna come to play. So she's gonna have to yeah. knock off some time. But having two chances takes the pressure off a bit, and especially in an event maybe she didn't even think would be on her on her radar this year, or an event where she didn't think she'd have the best chance to. To qualify it is so crazy like you know they talked about um queen harrison being the only person ever to double in the both hurdle events it's insanely impressive to be good at both those events at the same time like yeah they have hurdles in common but one is a hundred and one is a 400 and to be able to do both of them at that high level just shows incredible range i think it's a it's yeah. a very underrated it's a very underrated double in terms of degree of difficulty because people see hurdles next to it and maybe because of in high school oh the, they won the 100 and the and the 300 hurdles so it's like you get used to that double being commonplace but i mean it's so rare i mean like it had only been done once before and you're talking about just two completely different approaches to the to, to a race yeah, she's ranked third in the 100 hurdles in the U.S. and fourth in the 400 hurdles. I mean, Sydney's ranked fifth and first or second, so Sydney's kind of yeah. starting to do it too. But, like, yeah, 12.54, I think that's a better mark than her 55. So, 
And Tania Marshall, she scratched the 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 NCAA final, right? So there's like a little bit of a question mark with her health right now. I mean, and then Sydney's not in the event, so it's like it's kind of Harrison Cockrell, Christina Clemens, twelve fifty nine, and then you got to go all the way down to like Atalia Brooks, who's won twelve seven, which is so far away yeah. from twelve five. So there's just not that depth. I think I think she's. Hundred. I mean, that's my lock. Lock of the pod and a cockle, hundred meter hurdle, Olympic team member. There's the lock. Yeah, we hit it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got four more people I want to talk about for the winners, and then there's some people who didn't win who I think could make the team. Uh, Javon Harrison, two thirty three in the high jump, and then eight twenty seven in the long jump. What are his chances of making at least one team? I mean, great. He's. He's been in the championship mode of like going up against legitimate guys, especially in the SEC with Daryl Sullivan. And he's consistently never had a bad day, which sometimes yeah. in the high jump, you can have a couple of people like, oh, this is not my day. And some of the best high jumpers really just popped off one, like at one point in their career. And that's what they're kind of living off of. But Harrison has been super consistent and he's, He's, he's shown he's able to do the double. He's shown he's able to do it multiple times, whether it's at SEC, indoor, outdoor, NCA, indoor, outdoor. And I just think that he has shown that he can handle it. And the double is going to be hard at the trials. I know it's kind of – I think they're both on the same day, aren't they? I think the long jump and, and the high jump are the same day. Mr. Schedule Man. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm pulling up the schedule. Long jump is on day eight for the men. Yes, they qualify at the same time. Hey, he's used to that, right? He's used to going back yeah. and forth. So I think that, though, could be a a, a little wrench, but he's good enough to make at least one. Okay. Next person, another LSU Tiger, Terrence Laird. 10.05, wins 100, then 19.94, gets second in the 200. It's kind of weird because of his loss in the 200. You kind of have just a different vibe on him going into the trials than you would have had if he just easily won that 200. Because mm-hmm. uh, his 100 win was not like a 9899, it was a 1005. I just have a, for some weird reason, I have a different perspective of him than I did 48 hours prior to the meet. I don't think he's going to make the 100-meter team. I think that 100-meter team is too deep now, especially with the addition of Fred Curley and all these other guys. I think his best shot is the 200. Um, yeah. And I kind of I kind of well, should – like the same way I shouldn't let NCAs make me overconfident someone, I shouldn't let NCAs take away the confidence of someone. And so I should say that I still think Terrence Laird is a top three guy when it comes to it in the U.S. in the 200. Yeah, and I agree. And we're going to talk about the other, the non-winners who could make it. And he would be, it's weird to call him a non-winner because he won the 100. So I put him in this in-between category here. But yeah, you look at best 200-meter marks of the year in the United States, he's still at the top of the list, right? His 1981 has not been, he's not been matched. So Fan ran an amazing race in, in Eugene, put it together at the right time. But it's not like Laird's 100-meter win doesn't have anything to 
doesn't translate at all to the 200, right? That's a good sign still. So the fact that yeah. he got second in the 200, but he could have gotten fourth in the 100 and second in the 200. And then you'd probably feel even even worse about his chances. But the fact that he won the 100 shows you he's still sharp. I mean, that was a really good field filled with guys who have run sub 10. So yeah, I'm with you. I think he still makes the, he's uh, one of my 200 meter picks on a team that's really getting difficult to pick. That men's 200 now because of Curly. Uh, two field event people to end this list with, Tara Davis of Texas and Turner Washington of Arizona State. Turner Washington looks pretty good uh, to qualify in the discus. Yeah, Washington scratching the shot put. He's going all in on the discus. Um, should, I think. I mean, discus, I'll be honest, I'm not that much of a connoisseur of the discus and knowing who is who and who's the best in that event. But, I mean, his mark definitely holds up against the rest of the top U.S. guys in the, in that event. And mm. he's been on a roll. He's been kind of consistent with his, his mark. So I, I got to give him a good shot to make the team. But also, you know, he could, like, just have a bad day, a couple bad throws, and finish sixth. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I want to get to – oh, Davis. Let's talk about Davis real quick, too. I mean, I think she's – She's solid in the in the long jump. Okay. I think the first yeah something crazy something crazy would have to make happen for her not to make the long jump. But I think more importantly, we need to go to Tar Tara Davis's uh, Instagram. Travis, bring it up. No, not that one. The other one. You know what I'm talking about. What are we? <laughs> oh, this is uh this. <laughs> Look at this. She's already. The athlete influencer, she's already doing a ad for Stars Blind Spotting, a uh, TV show, I guess. What is that? I don't know. It's don't a, know but she's it. already getting paid to do an ad. And this is literally as soon as the NSAs were over, this is 20. She's like, boom, I am doing my paid sponsorships and she's going to be the influencer. I mean, look, you look at her after winning, she clearly was thinking, all right, I'm an influencer. I got to make sure I bring my my cowboy boots, my cowboy hat. I'm ready to go. She's going to make a lot of money with her online presence combined with the ability to now make her first Olympic team. So she's going to be an Olympian with an online presence. It's all just going to come together and uh she's going to be she's going to be very popular in not just the track world, but I think in the non-track world too because she has that reach. I mean, how many Instagram followers does she have? Travis, scroll down, see how many? 167,000 followers. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, a wild uh, 10 or so years for Tara Davis being an uh, Olympic influencer, likely. So I'm looking at the plot. I think it's funny. Now, she, blind, she, she, blind she had an ad. <laughs> Were you watching it? Six months. No, I'm looking at the Wikipedia explanation. Six months after the events in the film of the same name, Ashley's partner of 12 years and father of their son, Miles, is suddenly incarcerated, and the situation leaves her to navigate a chaotic and humorous existential crisis when she and her son, Sean, are forced to move in with Miles's mother and half-sister. I mean, there you go. There you go. She probably got paid like 100 bucks for that. And she's like, all right, sweet. There's a I had never heard of it. I mean, month. it worked. It had worked. I had never heard of blind, blind spotting. Let's let's be honest. Okay. Uh, people who didn't win in NCAAs who could win, or sorry, who could make the Olympic team. 
Let me try that again. People who did not win at NCAAs but could make an Olympic team. I'm going to start first with a trivia question for you, Gordon. Is it about Tara Davis? Because I I do think that uh, no, it's not. What would be what would be the what would be the first ad that Tara Davis does at the Olympic trials? What do you think the first ad would be? Um. Oh, what's everybody advertising for? The 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 massage thing. Oh, hyperice. Yeah, everybody's hyper everybody's on. On, on those, yeah. You're just giving out free advertising here, and I did it with blind spotting, so we got to move on. Okay, trivia question. Trivia question for you, Gordon. Twanisha Terry, Twanisha Terry, comp she competed for uh, three seasons where she actually was able to run in championships. Her best events were the 60 indoors and the 100-meter outdoors. Three years, two events. So she had six opportunities. How many times in those six opportunities did she finish in the top three? How many, uh, I don't know. Five. She got one okay. win, two seconds, and two thirds. Only one time in her career did she miss out on the top three in either the 60 final or the 100 final. She comes to play when championships are on the line. She ran a great race back in Des Moines at the 2019 U.S. Championships. The only real time she got a shot at a U.S. team in the in the prime part of her career i think she can make this team we talked about sturgis but terry ran really well as well too 10.79 with that plus 2.2 wind i think terry's gonna make this team i like your little deep dive i'm like you kind of it's like it's not about the wins it's about being top three and she's really gonna be top consistent three. it's nice she's consistent yeah. right she's just solid she's always there and i thought man this is because she she lost out to, to Sturgis. Indoors, she lost out to Nelson. She always loses out to people who have these otherworldly races. You know, going back to 2019, she she finishes behind Sha'Carri Richardson when she got third. Sha'Carri Richardson has a huge race. Like, Terry could have won any one of these races, but she's always there. She never falls apart. I think she's going to get top three uh, in the 100. I know we're not doing picks yet, but that's my pick. Other person, Brandon Miller. You talked about him, finished just behind Jewett. So if you're going to talk about Jewett, I think you got to talk about Miller. 144.97. Anybody who's sub 145, I think, has a chance. Yeah, Miller's kind of interchangeable with Jewett. And I like, I think the combination, I think Isaiah Harris, Jewett, Miller, Sawinski, Brandon Ketter, they're all just like a conglomerate going up against Clayton Murphy. It's that group of five guys trying to take down Murphy for one of those two spots for one for that final spot in the top three. So, uh, and Miller's one of those guys. I mean, he's young. He's, uh, I think it's cool seeing Miller do well though, because, um, he was so good. And like at the young, he was like the, the age group guy, right. And AAU and doing all these things. And everyone's like, is he going to get burnt out? And he kind of had a, a, a subpar senior year and you're like, Ooh, is did he use up all of his talent too early in his career? But now you couldn't ask for a better freshman season from him. I mean, it's one of an all-time great freshman seasons. Like it would have been impressive if he just ended his freshman year with like a 147 and then like continued to progress. But to end your freshman year with a 144, 
that's that's just wild. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up, Yard Nagus. Yard Nagus. Again, if we're talking about Hawker, Nagus was not far behind. I think he's he's got the standard, so you don't need to worry about that. He can just worry about racing. The attention, I think, will be off of him more because if you're looking for a collegian, you're going to be talking more about Hawker because he got the win. If you're looking at just the event as a whole, well, you have Matt Centrowitz there who obviously gets a lot of the headlines, which allows Nagus Gordon to fly a bit under the radar, which is weird because he's the collegiate record holder. But I think he's going to go into this race with absolutely nothing to lose. And I know you've been big on Nagus all year. What do you think his shot is? I think his shot is equal to the shot that Hawker has. Like, exactly mm -hmm. equal. Um, I think they're both interchangeable. I don't think one is favored over the other. Um, yeah, that's... So, I, I think we should just talk about Nagus and Hawker in the exact same conversation as, like, the elite college guy. And uh, I think they equally have... A legitimate chance not just a, a beyond legitimate like i'd say they are i think centro literally is the only one that's like favorite slash lock but i would put yeah hawker Nagus, and craig angles all at an equal you know betting yeah. odds to be honest the way you the, the way to think about it is hey if everybody in this race had their best race would they qualify and with not hawker and Nagus, you can make a strong argument you don't need to be you don't need to do too many what ifs oh they can make it if this person underperforms or the race goes a certain way it's, no if everybody's at their best hawker and Nagus are going to be right there with those guys so yeah i'm with you i don't think you can count out Nagus. it would not surprise me at all if he finishes ahead of hawker he finishes ahead of cooper tier if he gets top three that would not that would not surprise me in the least all right, two more I want to get to real quick. Uh, Tania Marshall, who scratched the high hurdles. I don't know if we saw why, but you talked about the high hurdle list before, and it's worth repeating that she is at the top of it. So if she's able to come back, I think she could make the team. And then the 400, the men's 400 beyond Randolph Ross. I'm not going to count out uh, Noah Williams or Bryce Dedman. Yeah, I mean, I think the 400 – I think Williams was my like guy for that top three all the way up yeah. until he got beat by Randall Frost. So Dedham is legit. I think we could see now with we'll talk about it with Freddie Curley not there. I could think of see it be Norman and two college kids making that 400 meter team. Mm -hmm. Justin Robinson in, as well in there too. Uh, because the 400 team now is a little bit open. A little bit open because Fred Curley is not going to run the 400. Gordon, you brought this to my attention yesterday, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that he is opting for the 100 and 200, not the 400. I could see him doing a double, like adding something to his plate, but I thought it was going to be in addition to the 400. I didn't think he would remove the 400 entirely. And you look at it from both sides. So 400, obviously, bronze medalist, top five in the world at worst right now. You could make an argument for sure that he's still top three. And he's really, up until this year, only run the 400. That's been the main focus of his career, run sub 44. So it would 
it's a very big surprise that he's leaving that event. And then you look at the other side, what is he jumping into? Well, that 100 is so deep. That 100 is ridiculously deep now. He has the 991, but there's five guys who run faster. He has the win over Gatlin that he got overseas, but that may not be enough because you look at Bromel, you look at Bracey, you look at Lyles, you look at Young, you look at Baker, you look at the college kids that are sharp right now as well too. That's gonna be tough. And then you go to the 200, which you think, okay, 991, sub 44, the 200 is, is where it's at for him. He hasn't had that one click yet. He hasn't broken 20 seconds yet. His PB uh, this year is, tw or his PB is 20.24. And again, that's a tough field. Lyles, Bednarik, Laird, Arian Knighton, the list goes on and on. It's going to be a tough team to make tougher than we anticipated heading into the season so this is a very interesting decision for fred curley i went back and looked gordon according to what i saw college he's and pro never run rounds in the hundred like over a multiple day meet or in the 200 so this will be completely new yeah he's done it a million times in the 400 but he's never gone through rounds at a at a championship type uh meet in the hundred or the 200 2019, when he got bronze, he only ran the 400, didn't run a single 100 or 200. So this is this is very surprising to me. Yeah, you look at it right now. It's weird to see the top guy on the list, 4364, and then a scratch next to their name. Yeah, I did not see this coming. I Maybe he just, when he ran his 400 overseas, he just didn't like the way he felt. And he's like, I don't think I can handle this over three rounds and he knows something about his body that we don't but like you i mean it's just so when he for a guy to first time enter a hundred on the on like the world-class stage and expect to be able to make the u.s 100 meter olympic team or the 200 meter olympic team for that matter in the first mm -hmm. try that just has to be you have to have a lot of confidence for that like he has to be like mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing. I think he knows something that we don't know. He knows something about him being able to perform. Maybe he knows that he's ready to run 19.8 and no one knows it yet. He just hasn't had yeah. the opportunity and he's just waiting for the trials to show that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. If he goes out there and runs 19.8, you'd be like, that makes sense. Because right. you look at Michael Norman, Michael Norman can do that. And Michael Norman's running kind of fast hundreds as well. So he probably... It makes sense. Uh, we, we just maybe haven't seen it. And maybe he knows something. He maybe did some workouts that been able to prove that he's ready to do what he thinks he, he can do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just wild. So I'm, look, I'm looking at his yearly marks here. And he ran, yeah, he's run three 400s. One was indoors, two were outdoors. The 44-6 where he got third and got beat by Norman. And then the 44-74. Like, those were solid performances. Those were perfectly normal in line with where we thought he'd be at the season that would set him up for a nice run at the trials 200 seems like the better path but it's just so strange to go into the trials never having run sub 20 and never actually having put it together you're right maybe he's run a time trial on his own and run 198 which i would totally believe because he's in he's a 991 43 64 guy like it would make sense that he could run that time 
but just the fact that it hasn't happened yet in a race would make me a bit nervous. I admire his his confidence going for it, but I thought he was almost a sure thing in the 400 because I just thought, ah, the 400 is going to come around. You run in those hundreds as fast as you are, you're going to be ready when the time comes. Very least, you'll get top three, and then you'll get even better in better shape for for Tokyo and have a chance at a at a good medal. I mean, we'll get it. Maybe we'll save this for the Wednesday pod, but we'll just do a little um, primer. Are you picking Fred Curley to make either the 100 or 200 meter team? I'm say I gotta I gotta look at my notes, Gordon. I gotta dive in. It's gonna be tough. The hundred. Again, you'd think the 100 would be the better chance, but like who at this point in the 100, and same thing with the 200, who are you leaving off? Are you leaving off Terrence Laird in the 200? Are you leaving off Bednarik? Are you leaving off Lyles? In the 100, you're not, you, we know we're not leaving off Bromel. So then you got this list, right? Pull up that 100 list again. Yeah, thank you. So that if, you're, if you're saying Bromel is a lock, then you have Bracey, Young, Curley, Baker, Martin, King, Gatlin. Go down a little bit more. I want to see if there's anybody else there. Oh, Lyles, right? And you have to factor in Lyles. So there's eight guys for two spots there. I mean, you could you could cut out some of those people, maybe six guys for two spots. But it's like you're not going to count out Gatlin. You you should not count out Lyles. You know what he's capable of. Young and Bracy just ran nine eight. Okay, there, Baker. We've seen what he can do. So there's at least five guys plus Curly who we think are going for two spots. It's it's a numbers game at this point, and it's just so crowded now. I mean, I could see it being Bromel, Bracey, Curly. That's a possible. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocking. Of course, it wouldn't right? be shocking. Yeah, it's not a question of whether it's shocking. It's just you could come up with ten of those, though. I could say True. It wouldn't be that surprising if it was Bromel, Baker, Gatlin, or Bromel, Lyles, Gatlin. None of that is. None of that is surprising. Again, his best result, I think, is not the nine ninety one. It's the nine ninety six in Ostrava when he beat Gatlin and DeGrasse. That probably told him, okay, I'm I'm world class in this event. Right? Like it's yeah. confirmed. It's not just a one time thing. I've actually beaten these guys. But what I said before, the problem is it's not beating Gatlin, because you could beat Gatlin and still not make the team. So I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. It's a great discussion point coming into the coming to the meet. I mean imagine if Coleman was here, how crowded this event would be. Yeah, right? maybe Fred Curley doesn't do this if Coleman's here. I can, I think that would be true. I don't think Fred Curley. But see, here's the, like he could have done the four and the two. Right, the four and the one overlap, so that's that's difficult to do. But he could have done. I think he the four. He thinks his best four hundred. He thinks his, yeah, I think he thinks his best hundred, which is the one and the two, is the one hundred. We want to say it's a two hundred because we think a four hundred meter guy coming down would be the longer distance. Yeah. But I think he thinks. I think to him, I'm going to make the 100 meter team. 200's my backup. That's the way I think Which he's is looking cool. at it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't blame him based on his results, but that's a crazy position to be in for a 400 meter guy. Like I'm going to skip the 200 and then just be on the team in the 100. Okay, I'm wow. excited for it. Yeah, it's Me gonna too. give us something to watch right off the right off the bat. All right, we got two minutes left here. I want to talk about a big change in collegiate coaching the day after. The USC women won the outdoor team title. Their head coach, Carol Smith-Gilbert, announced that she's going to Georgia, Gordon, to replace Petros Kipriano. There have been rumors about this for months and months, but just the timing, like literally the next day, like there was still pictures on our site of USC celebrating. 
like in the top banner spot uh, with with Carol Smith Gilbert there, and she was already being introduced as Georgia's head coach. Obviously, this is a move to the SEC, which a lot of coaches prioritize, especially if your emphasis is on the sprints and hurdles. I'll be interested to see where she takes it because the program had obviously succeeded in sprints and hurdles, but really carved out a niche with Petros in the field events and multis. What do you think of the decision? Yeah, well, it's also like, it's weird because you think you think USC winning championships, you live in Southern California. It's like a perfect <laughs> spot where like you got, you know, you're just having fun running track and the Olympic the Olympics are coming to LA in 2028. Yeah. You can be there for all of that and you're just winning national titles. You're getting great athletes. You live in California, but do you want to go to Athens, Georgia? And I guess maybe it's paid better and maybe the standard, the cost of living in Georgia versus Southern California is night and day. So it's even a double pay jump because you don't have to pay as much to live in Athens. Uh, seems like it's a business decision. Um, it's kind of interesting. Whenever we see coaches leave places, we think, why would you want to leave that? Why would Chris Miltenberg want to leave Stanford? Like, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. But then there's, I guess there's always more to it with the salaries and standard of the living and the, the way the administration works with that specific program, you know? Yeah, and she made, she made a move for her. And I think she's probably excited about being in the SEC. There's probably better, there's more, I mean, there's, there's no Pac-12 indoor championships, right? There's probably yeah. better pay for doing well at SECs, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's a business decision. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens to Georgia. You know, obviously they're going to start getting better sprinters. And then what happens to the current crew? Where would all the best field event athletes now go? Because before they were going yeah. all to Georgia. So where are they going to go now? Well, where will they transfer to? Will Petros take another college job? Will he do his own thing separate? Who's going to take the USC job? You know, the USC job is probably... I mean, will Quincy Watts take it or will Quincy Watts go to Georgia with Carol? And will what will Carol and what what's Matt Bowling gonna do? That's what I want to know. What Matt Bowling, he's only a uh, man, you got questions. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like six what, questions after. Like is bowling gonna want to transfer or is bowling gonna be like content with like this new coaching system? Is he gonna want to follow wherever his current sprint coach goes? It's just a lot of interesting things and yeah. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, track is interesting because you have the staff that has these different event specialists. So just because someone's a head coach doesn't mean you're their, their coach. So if they stay versus if they go, you could have people going in a bunch of different directions based on where different event go coaches go or they could decide to stay. Yeah, I think you nailed all the, all the big questions for sure with this one. I think that um, USC – recruited great they got all these superstars from all across the country georgia you saw the recruiting classes the last couple of years especially in the field events they were just stacking up national record holders and all the top performers from high school you know just does that get does that get scrambled but neither neither pro program had an issue um recruiting but obviously there's still some big names on georgia's roster we wonder what happens to them and also with uh with usc keep an eye on yeah Excited to see how it plays out. So it's kind of wild, though. Like, literally the next day, 
clearly this was in yeah. the works. You don't, you don't like, oh, send in your resume after. I mean, it's kind of wild. Yeah. They had the graphic ready to go. <laughs> um, it's a good look for Georgia too, right? They're like, hey, we just got the national championship coach. You know, we, uh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, better timing. You you could not have better timing for them, right? We just got the and from a Power Five program. It's not like you got the national championship coach from uh, a school that had never won it before or some coach on the rise. It's like no, you got literally the coach that just won it all. All right, we'll leave it there for today. We got to get started prepping for our mega. You're calling it our mega Olympic trials preview on Wednesday, which is going to be long. So buckle up for that. Thanks, Very to Colt. Long. Thanks to every Travis. event, every single one. See you guys on Wednesday. Previewing it all.